then up on today's podcast. A bit of this. And in the end, all of these didn't obviously appeal to him, working at Greg's. Yeah, and like I was going to say, working in a call centre. Hello, I'm Vincent. What can I get you today? <laughs> and a bit of this. In his head, he's going, oh, I could make it look better than that. <laughs> Hold off and wait till I've painted the sunflowers and buy that instead. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mod Night is Rubbish, episode number seven, coming from Brighton in the UK. It's very sunny today, are you alright Tom? Hi Marcus, yeah I'm alright thanks. Yeah good, how are you doing? Uh, you do realise we're on episode number seven and apparently according to the podcast community, episode number seven is where most podcasts burn out. What, the podcast themselves or the podcasters? <laughs> Yeah, the podcasters, a lot of podcasts don't make it past episode number seven. I can tell you, uh, for people that are listening, we shall make it past this difficult seventh episode. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Today, uh, to talk about, I've picked Vincent van Gogh. Actually, Tom, the first thing is I went on the BBC website to learn how they instruct their employees to say Van Gogh. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> there's actually an official way. Oh, it's good to know me- there's an official way because it is yeah. really confusing, isn't it? There's an official way for there's an official way for BBC broadcasters to pronounce it. Now we know Americans pronounce it Van Gogh. British people pronounce it Van Gogh. The way that the BBC suggests their announcers pronounce it is Van Gogh or Van Gogh. Um, This is not actually the proper way to pronounce it, but I've tried to pronounce the proper way and it's quite difficult. When when you say proper way, you're talking about the Dutch way. The Dutch way, the Dutch Dutch way. way, Yeah. Right. You pronounce the van like van, which is a V and an F, so it's van, van. Van, which is a bit like um, the uh, the Count from Sesame Street. Van, tall. Oh yeah, so nice. You actually say the V like like the Count from Sesame Street. Van, van. It's kind of like clearing your throat. So it's van Gogh, and that's really van Gogh. There's no the actual G isn't really pronounced. It's more like a GH. So it's van Gogh, something like that. That's my attempt at pronouncing the name. Van Gogh. So now we've now we've cleared that up. How am Van I Gogh. going to pronounce it? Should we, should we go? Should we go for Van Gogh or Van Gogh or Van Gogh? Oh God! Yeah, yeah. So so you just got you do Van Gogh and I'll do Van Gogh. Yeah, there's quite a lot written about Van Gogh. I was speaking to a psychotherapist friend. Oh, can I do the translation? Yeah. There's quite a lot written about Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> we could do an American translation as well. Hang on. Yeah. There's quite a lot written about Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was speaking to a psychotherapist friend and he actually looked at him as part of his degree paper and it was very interesting. So I've kind of used what he's written and incorporated into a sort of short biography about Van Gogh. So uh, Vincent 
Wilhelm van Gogh was born on March the 30th, 1853 in a village called Groot Zundert. Groot Zundert. It sounds a bit like an aftershave, doesn't it? So his father was a pastor and his mother was a daughter of a bookseller and uh, she was quite a gentle, artistic woman. Um, the thing is, what's interesting that I found out that Vincent was actually her second birth. His mother was quite a deeply emotional character and she never got over the birth of her first child. So it was not until four years later that she gave birth to Vincent. So because she was suffering deep loss, she was never able to form a bond with Vincent and he never really got on with his father. Van Gogh's parents would go on to have five more children. After him? Yeah, after him. So he was the oldest? Yes, he was the oldest. Yeah, so his brother Theo was born uh, on the 1st of May, 1857. Now, Theo was the guy that really supported him throughout his career and was really loyal to him and helped him a lot with his art. Um, he was actually taught by his mother to draw, and by the age of eight, he became you know, quite good. I wouldn't say they were amazing, but he was quite good. Vincent, as a young man, would go for long walks in the countryside, and he would frequently pass the gravestone of his dead sibling. The problem was the dead sibling was also called Vincent. So he had a brother who died before he was born? Yes. Called that, Vincent? Yeah. And that's the problem. You can imagine you've got the perfect little baby Vincent sort of haunting him. He would always, he grew up with feeling that his, he could never take the place of the perfect little baby. His mum never actually got over the, the death. So she never actually formed a bond or a love with, with him at all. So Vincent was always kind of on his own and starved of affection. Because of this, you can imagine Vincent's thinking, oh no, you know, mum doesn't love me. And because he couldn't form bonds with his mother, he will look later in life to form bonds with women that tend to be quite grief-stricken and upset. It's quite sad, really, isn't it? It is quite sad, isn't it, Vincent? Yeah. But he does soldier on. I mean, he is quite good at school and he learned to speak English, French and German as well as his native Dutch. But sadly, due to financial troubles, he had to leave school early. He's a, he's a real wicked linguist, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he'd know how to pronounce Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he had so many versions of his name. Yeah. He just made yeah. him up on his travels. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1869, he went to work at a gallery with his uncle, and that's an art gallery, and it's part of an international group of galleries who had branches throughout Europe. Now, at this time, he fell in love with his second cousin called Caroline. And oh, it's a, it's a he's working in the art world, did you say? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. And he's fallen in love with his second cousin, Caroline. Yeah, and guess <laughs> what happens? She rejects him. She doesn't want to know. Which is the yeah, Vincent is, way. Well, it's the cousin thing, isn't it? It's a bit weird, isn't it? It was the second cousin. That's all right, isn't it? Sec second cousin. Oh, yeah, but you, you're still going to think of it every now and then. Yeah, what, that you, you <laughs> share the same lineage with your great-grandparent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, you know, it wasn't a good move on his part. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a bit of cousin love. We, we go on to that again. So, in... Uh, 1873, he gets transferred to the London branch because he's obviously not, it's not going well. 
So he can speak English, can't he? Yes, he's already learned he's English. He's just such a wicked little linguist, isn't he? Oh, he is. He's really good. So after being rejected, he then is transferred to the London branch of the gallery. And he moves into rented accommodation. And you know what happens? So he ends up falling in love with his landlady's daughter, Eugenie. And Eugenie is in deep depression and mourning for a father. So he likes his kind of uh, upset ladies. So eventually he's thinking, oh, I really like you. And he reveals his feelings for her and says, oh, you know, she's not happy because it turns out that she's actually secretly engaged. So you can think that ends up causing a lot of arguments between her and her mother, the landlady. So in the end, Vincent is asked to leave. Uh, yeah, bound to happen. You yeah. sleep with the landlady's daughter. Well, I don't think he slept with her. I think she just said, I really, really fancy you. And it all kicks oh. off. Oh, my God. He's, not only is he a great linguist, he's a gentleman as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's again, he's not getting on very well. So, they think, right, we're going to sort you out, Vincent. We're going to send you off to Paris. So, he goes to the Paris Gallery. Now... He's deeply upset by this whole situation and heartbroken. So he starts to get a bit sort of religious. Now he's starting to get into that whilst he's still working at the Paris Gallery. Now there's a real problem, right? Imagine this, Tom, right? You're going into the gallery and people are looking at the artwork and he's saying to them, look, I don't think you should buy that. It's not very good. So he's actually quite opinionated, encouraging people not to buy art because he's thinking it's not very good. The gallery, sack him oh so he wasn't talking about his own works that's no, what no, I no, I don't. Meant. at that time he wasn't even really drawing properly he wasn't even stopping oh right so, yeah so he was interested he couldn't, he couldn't draw at that point he <laughs> <laughs> was only just good <laughs> in his head he's going oh, I could make it look better than that <laughs> hold off and wait till I've painted the sunflowers and buy that instead <laughs> So in 1876, he left the gallery. So still not satisfied, he returns to England and he goes to teach in Ramsgate, but this time he's getting involved in uh, religion. So he finds a post in Islesworth and he begins preaching because he's been rejected in love. Again, he's thinking, well, maybe religion is the answer. He works there for a little bit. In 1877, he decides he's going to go back to Holland and after a short spell working at a booksellers, he enters into training at the ministry. He says he's a bit of a linguist, but he actually left because he struggled with Latin and Greek. That was one of the key reasons for him leaving. Of course, there are other things you can do rather than become a minister. So in 1878, he travels to Belgium and becomes a missionary. Well, that's the next best thing to a minister, I suppose. But what he did was he gave away all his clothes and food to the poor and a church inspector found this to be quite scandalous and he got the sack. So he's been rejected in love. He's been rejected by religion now. So you can imagine it's pretty heavy going for him. We're at the pits of uh, rejection that Van Gogh has been suffering. Yeah, so he's not good with women. He's not good with religion. So it's 1879. So people said to him, why don't you try and become a lithographer or a bookkeeper? carpenter's apprentice and uh, apparently his sister even said why don't you become a baker and in the end all of these didn't obviously appeal to him working at Greg's uh, yeah like I was going to say working in a call centre oh, 
Hello, I'm Vincent. What can I get you today? <laughs> Would you like that heated up? <laughs> so his brother says, why don't you become an artist? So his brother suggests to him that maybe he should become an artist. Now, his brother is an art dealer and very much interested in art as well. So this is his, his baby brother, yeah, his younger yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. We're talking Theo. Yeah, we're talking Theo, yeah. Not not the yeah. perfect little baby, Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> I keep coming back to him. You must paint. <laughs> so Theo sounds like he's a bit of a... A bit of a wheeler dealer. Well, yeah, I think he's a—he's just a really good brother who like sort of helps out his brother and wants him to do well. I think that's the. Uh, oh, good for him. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Vincent, in eighteen eighty, moved to Brussels, supported by his brother, but without a proper teacher to learn from. He starts to draw from books. This is the thing with Vincent. His paintings look really free and really spontaneous, yet he was a really focused and organised person when it comes to learning drawing. So he would really study all the theories and perspective. That is the reason why he was able to express himself so freely, because he'd got this really strong foundation in drawing and art before he started to paint. All right, yeah, so he was always, like, looking to better his... His understanding yeah. and everything. Yeah, definitely. In 1881, he moved to Etin and he stayed with family there. And whilst there, he met a cousin. Are we talking um, a second cousin, Caroline? No, no, this is a first cousin. Oh, right. He met yeah. his cousin, uh, Key Voss Stricker, or his cousin Key Voss Stricker. And she was a 35-year-old. And she actually came to stay with the family. Vincent was about 28 at the time. And Key was a suffering, sensitive woman who had recently been widowed. So, of course, Vincent sees his mum in her, probably, and uh, falls in love with her. He pursued her so much that she was actually forced to move back to her parents' house. He probably would have been developing some kind of mental condition. Now, they don't actually know what condition Vincent van Gogh had. So he could have had epilepsy, he could have had bipolar, he could have had borderline personality disorder. What do they mean? They know he had something serious, but no one knows what it is. Yeah, because it's so long ago and there's no detailed records. Oh, right. So, but is there nothing documented about it? Is it just all speculation then? Well, he had he had episodes of mania. They know that. I mean, that that's something that's definitely known about him. He definitely suffered from some kind of mental uh, condition, but they don't know whether it was from drinking, whether it was from... Uh, a... Oh, what, by modern diagnosis yeah. standards? Yes. So back in, like, those days, he was just... just had mania. Yeah, they it? didn't know, yeah. So again... He was trying to be with a woman who represented his mother and was rejected again. Uh, Vincent wrote a lot of letters to his brother, Theo, and uh, this is something that he actually said about the situation of love at the time. But there is no anguish greater than the soul's struggle between duty and love, both in their highest meaning. It is and remains a wound which I will carry with me. It lies deep and cannot be healed. After years, it will be the same as it was the first day. 
Yeah, I mean, he's going on a bit there. He sounds depressed. In 1881, he has an argument, big argument with his father, and he moves to The Hague. And then, of course, what happens? He meets another woman, but this time it's a pregnant prostitute called Cien. And um, there was a theory behind this that he wanted to live in sin as almost like a sort of... uh, and up yours to religion. This relationship actually lasted about 18 months. He's quite a nihilist, isn't he? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, so it's more like an up you to himself, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's almost like he wants to, choosing relationships that are going to fail now. So rather than be rejected in some ways, that may well be a point. All right, yeah. It's getting like psychological. So in 1883, he left The Hague. And in January in 1884, his mother injured her leg. So Vincent returned to help her. Now, during this time, she received frequent visits from Margot Begman, the youngest daughter of the family that lived next door. So Vincent and Margot actually become friends and they would go on long walks together. Now, the thing is, Margot's quite unique because she actually really fancied Vincent. And Vincent kind of didn't like her the same way back. How Are you speculating there or? No, I. to what I've read. I mean, I think a lot, I think there's probably a lot of speculation that goes on. Because he might have just like fancied her a bit, but not that much. Well, yeah. I mean, apparently they were going to get married. So there, there probably was some degree of fancying involved. Well, he may, maybe but, just liked the attention. Yeah, what happened was the family weren't happy about it. Vincent, I don't think, really did like her as much as she liked him. And in the end, Margot actually tried to kill herself by drinking poison. Psychological. (laughs) (laughs) So Vincent helped her to get medical attention, but, you know, she she never quite got over the fact that Vincent didn't want to marry her. (laughs) Again, through all this, Vincent is studying and really practising drawing and, and painting. And in 1886, he goes to live with his brother in Paris. And he meets quite a few famous yeah. artists like Toulouse-Lautrec, Renoir, Monet and Gauguin. Now, the problem is, of course, Vincent is quite a self-opinionated person and he can be quite bombastic. A lot of these artists think, oh, I can't be bothered with him. I can't be bothered hanging around with Vincent. So it's only Gauguin that actually stays friends with him. Oh, right, so, yeah, yeah. So after a couple of years in, in Paris, he moves to uh, the famous Yellow House in Arles, and that's in 1888. And Gauguin came down to stay with him. And he would quite often uh, quarrel with Gauguin, so it was quite a tense time. By the end of the year, the famous Van Gogh ear incident that happened so how so Gauguin was Gauguin a fan of his work I presume yes I think I think probably that would be safe to say that they liked each other's work and they did have a kind of tense but good working relationship because Vincent was just so unpredictable and he had these manic episodes and by the end of the year so he's only been in there for a very short time by the end of the year the famous ear incident happened Q&A of the world, Van Gogh's dear. I went on to Google 
and I typed in about Van Gogh's ear, I noticed that there was a section that said people also ask. So I thought, this is this is uh, questions from all over the world. This is the consensus. This is what people from all over the world really want to know. Okay, so yeah, questions the world wants to know about Van Gogh's ear. So this is what Google's yeah. algorithm has given us. This is the questions the world wants to know about Van Gogh's ear. Yes. Question one. Did Van Gogh cut off his ear? Yes, he did. He did it with a razor. And for a long time, scholars thought that it was just his lobe. But a note from his doctor, Felix Ray, found by someone a few years ago, contained a drawing of the injury and it shows his whole ear. Tom, so, so there you so go. So it was amazing. So the, the doctor was a budding artist himself. Yeah, it was quite nice, quite well drawn. Given what um, Van Gogh said when he was working in the gallery to people about not buying the artwork because it's shit, you can imagine the doctor wouldn't have wanted to show him that drawing, can't you? <laughs> I'd be embarrassed to show it. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, so next question. What the world wants to know about Van Gogh's ear. Which ear did Van Gogh cut off, his left or right? World, it was his left ear. And you can also see this in his 1889 self-portrait with bandaged ear. And we'll put a picture of that on the website. Next question. Who cut off Van Gogh's ear? Who? Who did it? Well, world, I can tell you that he did. But there is another theory. Gauguin was actually a talented fencer. And there is a theory that he may have sliced off Van Gogh's ear after an argument. And they both agreed to cover it up in order to avoid Gauguin going to prison. Okay, this is what the world wants to know about Van Gogh's ear. Yeah. Why did Pablo Picasso cut off his ear? Now, this question is suggesting that it wasn't actually uh, Gauguin. It was Pablo Picasso who cut off his ear. The, this is a real question that came up on, on Google. Now, the question is, is it asking, did Pablo Picasso cut off Van Gogh's ear? Is it the same as asking how old was Mozart when he went deaf? <laughs> <laughs> Picasso never cut off his own ear. And to my mind, that's quite a wild theory that Picasso would have cut off Van Gogh's ear, considering I don't think he was even born then. Interesting. So I would actually even say maybe the perfect baby Vincent. I would say the perfect baby Vincent cut off his hair. This is psychological. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Van Gogh remove his hair? Uh, well, he'd been arguing intensely with Gauguin, but also it's now believed that Van Gogh actually received a letter from his brother saying he was going to get married. Now, Van Gogh had a really... Uh, close relationship with his brother one could assume that he was worried uh, that this was going to affect their relationship on a side note as well apparently van gogh actually walked into a brothel with his severed ear and gave it to a young woman and she was someone who actually worked in the brothel um, the theory is that she may actually have been a maid and not a prostitute Okay, so which one's more likely, given your research? 50-50, maid or prostitute, or maybe a prostitute that does cleaning as well. It's not like your regular thing you do with your severed ear. No, certainly not. <laughs> right, so we've covered the ear, as did uh, Van Gogh. And what happened was, he was admitted to hospital, and then he went into a mental asylum in San Remy 
de Provence in 1889 and in 1890 he was moved closer to Paris uh, so he could be with his brother. The 27th of July 1890, whilst painting uh, a picture of wheat fields, Van Gogh sustained a gunshot to his stomach and wounded, he struggled back to his room at an inn where he was staying and during the two days he took to die, he explained that he shot himself. But there is another theory that Van Gogh went out drinking with two teenagers he knew, one of them was dressed as a cowboy, and brandishing that faulty pistol that you saw, accidentally shot Van Gogh. Not wishing to get his accidental assailant in trouble, he concocted a suicide story. Theo uh, died shortly after, and Theo's wife sought to catalogue Vincent's paintings, and some were in a basement, and some used for target practice, and one was used to cover up a hole in chicken run as well. So they're quite badly treated. And in his lifetime, Van Gogh created 900 paintings and made over 1,100 drawings and sketches. Now, the thing is, Van Gogh sold at least two paintings in his life. And for one, he was known to trade drawings and food for paint. He was selling his art that way. And also his art dealer uncle, Cornelius, commissioned 19 drawings of the city of Hague, which he completed. A guy who called Julian Tongy, who owned a little painting supply shop, and he would also show the old painting for sale. And he purchased one of Vincent's paintings as well. And also Theo sold a work to a gallery in London, which was bought by the sister of his friend. So there's always been this myth that Vincent didn't do very well. But I think the thing is, if he'd stayed alive, I think he would have become quite popular in his lifetime. So how long after his death did it take for him to really like pick up a bit of celeb status in the art world? Well, it wasn't that long because his mother lived to see her son's paintings become famous. So it wasn't that long. It was only a matter of years. Van Welcome to the Van Gogh special on eBay. This time we've discovered a, a painting that may be the find of the century. Van Gogh in his lifetime only painted three pictures of his bedroom at Arles. I mean, that's quite a lot of paintings of your bedroom. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've never painted my bedroom once, so I think he's done quite a few there. I've never actually painted or even drawn my flat. So yeah, three pictures is quite a lot, but <laughs> this is now the fourth one. So, I mean, it could be the find of the century. Now, I'm looking at it, it's listed as a rare post-impressionist original oil painting signed Vincent van Gogh, Certificate of Authenticity. Now, I could talk about what I've seen in it. I think what we're going to do this time is we're going to put it on the, uh, on the Facebook page and also on our website so that if you're listening, you can compare and uh, let us know if there's any differences that you can spot. Yeah, so this is like a supplement from a Sunday paper, isn't it? Spot the difference. Yeah, it is. Well, I was going to say it's not a Sunday paper. But you could leave it till Sunday, go on the Facebook page and have a bit of spot the difference. <laughs> this is our interactive part. Yeah, we'll put it up and uh, have a look at it.
right, so that's it for this week's Van Gogh special. He's quite, he was quite pained, wasn't he, Van Gogh? Yeah, he was. Even when you talk about Van Gogh, I find myself screwing my face up in a kind of pained way. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you'd like to subscribe to us, uh, you can do so via iTunes. Please visit us on Facebook, Modern Art is Rubbish. Also, check out our website, modernartisrubbish.com, where we'll put lots more links about Van Gogh and also show notes. Apart from that, I think it's just the buys to say, Tom. Oh, right, yeah, the buys. Bye. Goodbye. The buys. Bye. 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 The buys. The buys. Buys. Right, stop and done. Good. Buys. Buys.